Rev students, what is up? How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Uh, it is so glad to be, uh, good to be speaking to you guys today. Jasper, as always, I miss not being with you, but I am excited uh, to be able to share God's word with you guys today. And before we jump into where we're going today, I wanna, I wanna kind of share with you uh, something that's been going on in my life. I have been very troubled lately. And so I wanna, I wanna say that from the beginning. I have been very troubled. I have encountered something that has caused me to lose sleep. It has uh, caused me when I do uh, fall asleep, I have bad dreams. Uh, it has made uh, my conversations more awkward than normal. Uh, it, it has caused all kinds of anxiety and stress in my life. And, and maybe you have been dealing with this too. It's called the Impossible Burger. And what, what the Impossible Burger is, it is a plant-based burger that has been going around in the world waging war against good burgers everywhere. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't know what it is, uh, I have a quick video just to, just to give you some background information on what the Impossible Burger is. We conducted an experiment to evaluate how well Whopper fans know their beloved Whopper. The people you will see here are real people, and these are their real reactions. I've probably eaten about two Whoppers a week for the last 20 years. I love Whoppers. I've turned Burger King into a crime scene a time or two. I absolutely love beef. Beef all the way. If it's not beef, I don't want it. First bite, I would know the difference between beef and whatever else you have. Little do they know, their Whopper patty was actually made from plants. Wait, plant What are you talking about? No animals, just plants. Really? Oh. Tastes like a Whopper. Tastes like a Whopper. Tastes like a beef burger. You see that? It's beef. We swear, it's not beef. That's impossible. It tasted just like a Whopper should taste. Lies! A patty with zero milligrams of cholesterol, 17 grams of protein, 100% Whopper, and 0% beef. We know it's impossible to believe. The Impossible Whopper, only at Burger King. I'm confused. I'm, I'm reevaluating my life. Guys, this is scary stuff. It... It, it said 0% beef, but I promise you it's 100% lies, right? 100% lies. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna do a Rev Students first today, all right? We are gonna partake in the Impossible Burger together. I have not tried this. I don't, I don't know what's about to happen. This has not been scripted. Just for, for your safety, I'm going to be the only one that tries this right now, because I don't know what's going to happen. All right, are you guys ready? It's a little dry. It's a little dry. So, 100% honesty, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's not as bad as I thought it'd be. That doesn't mean it's good. Get me, listen to me real quick. That does not mean that it is good. It is very dry though. Must, must be all of the, uh, the broccoli that it's made out of. Um, but I can tell you one thing with 100% certainty. That was not a real burger. That was a, a fake burger. That will not fill the burger craving I have deep down in my soul. And, and me and my wife, we're burger people. 
Like, and, and you might not realize this about us, we plan our vacations around a particular burger. If you go to Seaside, Florida, and you go to the Great Southern Cafe, there is a burger there called the Best Burger. And we, we have a vacation plan next week, and we made sure that we were no further than 30 minutes away from that restaurant so we can make sure that we stop by. So I know a good burger, and that was not one. It might look like a burger. It might taste like a burger. It might even uh, smell similar to a burger. But it was a fake. And the, the reason I bring that up to you today is we're gonna read a story about a guy who uh, seems like he has everything going on together, seems like everything's going great, uh, but he is living in a fake version of Christianity, and Jesus is going to confront him on it. If you wanna look with me at Mark 10, 17, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up, up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And here, here are some things I want you to know about this guy. This guy was wealthy. Uh, he was born into a family that was well off. He had influence and you can even tell about him based on the way he approached this question. He said, Jesus, how can I inherit eternal life? Inheritance was a, a Jewish custom. If you were the firstborn son, when your father died, you inherited everything that your father had. You didn't have to work for it. You had zero participation in it. You simply got it based on your relationship with your father. And so he comes into this conversation with Jesus and he is searching for something because even though he has all of this stuff, he is not satisfied. And he comes to him, he's, he's telling Jesus about all the stuff he's been doing. He said, hey, hey, I've been morally good. Like I've done some good things. I haven't uh, stolen from anyone. I haven't defrauded anyone. I've honored my father and mother. Jesus, I have been a fairly good person if we're keeping track records. And, and here's what I think he believed. Here's what I think he believed. He believed that his moral performance was the requirement that got him into heaven. He believed that his moral performance was the basis that made him right with God and got him into heaven. And I think a lot of us can believe something like that. Like we believe at the end of the day, when we come into our situation, when we see God, we're like, hey God, I know I haven't been perfect, but man, this is all my good over here and I've done a little bit more good than I've done bad, so I think I, think I am going to be okay. And especially when I'm comparing myself to other people, because if you've seen what that person is doing, I'm doing great compared to those people. And Jesus is going to challenge him on this. If you look again in, in Mark 10, 21, says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell 
and he went away sad because he had great wealth. What Jesus was doing in this moment is challenging the thing that this man cared about most. Jesus was coming into a conversation with him and challenging the thing that this guy cared about most in the world. And it says something interesting here. It says that Jesus loved this man. There's not very many instances when you read your Bible where it shows Jesus uh, share a, a particular affection with someone in a conversation, in an interaction. It's, it's actually pretty rare. And as I was studying, I'm like, man, what makes this person someone that Jesus would say, hey, man, he, he loved this man. And maybe it was how good he was. You know, he was saying, hey, I've done all these things. I've been this really good person. Like if you looked at my scale, my good outweighs my bad, so I've been pretty good. So maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe it was his, his popularity, his influence. He was born into a great family. He was looked well upon. He had money. But, but none of those things are the reason why Jesus said he loved this man. It was actually nothing that this man did. There, there was nothing that this man did that changed the way Jesus felt about him. It was only because of the genuine affection of God. It actually tells us in Ephesians 1 that before the foundations of the earth, so before the trees were made, before the oceans were formed, before the birds were flying through the air, when God thought about you, you were loved. And there's, there's nothing that you can do to change that because get this, guys, if, if that's true and God loved you before anything happened, that means he loved you before you, before you ever did anything good, before you ever did anything bad. There is nothing that you can do that changes the way God feels about you. And God's love for you is extending the same invitation that he extended this man. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. A lot of people uh, take, when he tells him to go and sell everything that he has, some people would say, hey, he's, he's telling us to uh, embrace this lifestyle of poverty, this, this lifestyle that we would, hey, we should all go sell everything that we have, but Jesus's point in this moment is not poverty, but discipleship. His call was not to poverty, but to discipleship. And the reason that he challenged this man in this area is because he knew that this was the area that this man loves his stuff, that this was the area that this man had his fingers grasped so tightly on. And Jesus' call to follow him will always include leaving something behind. And, and I don't know what that, that is for you. He might be calling you to leave behind relationships. There might be something in your life that he's saying, hey, if you want to follow me, then you're gonna have to leave that behind. You can't follow me and live that way anymore because it's gonna distract you from what is most important. So here's my question for you. What in your life is keeping you from following Jesus? What in your life is keeping you from following Jesus? What areas of your life are you not being obedient to his call to follow him in? I mean, maybe you're so focused on a relationship are so focused on the things that you're doing in a relationship that you don't even know what you're doing anymore. You're not thinking straight. You definitely aren't following Jesus in that. Maybe if you evaluated your life and the things you spent your time on, 
Man, maybe you're, you, you spend all your time playing video games. Maybe you spend all your time, man, on your phone, on Facebook, on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and whatever you guys are into right now. There's, I can't even keep track anymore. And maybe you find all of your, your time just glued to a, to a phone in your hand and not following Jesus. Maybe you're like this man and you just loved stuff. Maybe you just love stuff. Did you know that there is a neurological reaction in your brain to new things? That's why Christmas is the greatest holiday ever. Because as soon as you get something new, as soon as you see something new, endorphins start flying off in your brain of joy, of happiness. There is a a reaction to new I remember one time when I was a young college student, I was on a student trip and we were going to a summer camp and there was a middle school student riding the bus next to me, in the seat next to me, and he was playing the Nintendo DS with the brand new Pokemon game. I remember starting a conversation with him like, like, hey man, I remember I played Pokemon back in my day and he's like, hey, you wanna try it? I was like, sure, why not? And as I began to play that, you know what happened? the new started to suck me in. The new started to get to me. I started having all this nostalgia. I started feeling all these feelings, remembering my childhood, and I began to to escalate the situation. And when I handed that back to him, I had an epiphany. I was an adult now, which meant I had money and I could go buy whatever I wanted to and no one could tell me no. So you know what I did? I went and dropped over $200 to buy a Nintendo DS and the brand new Pokemon game and I played it for like 40 hours straight. And you know what happened when I beat the Pokemon game? I was like, what happened? I thought this was going to be so much more. Like, did I really just spend $200 on this, what am I going to do now? I've done all that there is. It did not meet the expectations that I had in my head. It did not satisfy me. And maybe for you, you you just love new things, but they don't meet the expectation. You get new clothes or, or new games, new relationships, and you just love new. There always has to be something new in your life, and it always fills you every time, and and what scripture is actually gonna tell us is that Jesus has always been the same. He's the same yesterday, the same today, the same forever, and there is no letdown. Like, you don't get to the end of your relationship with Jesus and be like, man, I thought there was going to be something more. He's the only one that can satisfy you. And that's why Jesus is asking this man, hey, you need to leave that and follow me because it won't satisfy you. And and here's the thing that I learned from this. Discipleship has a cost. Discipleship has a cost. And maybe you've been focused on the wrong things for so long, you don't even know what you're thinking anymore. Maybe you've been focused on the wrong things for so long, you don't even know what is right and what is wrong. You don't even know what following Jesus looks like. Man, and if we are not careful, we are gonna wind up like this man walking away sad when the king of the universe is standing right in front of us, offering us an invitation to follow him. And, and here is what I believe Jesus was teaching to this man in this moment, because this man wanted the benefits of heaven without the cost of discipleship, right? He wanted the benefits of heaven 
without the cost of discipleship. Like he liked all the joy, he liked all the peace. I don't think most people hate the idea of heaven, even people that would say they're not Christians. Like I don't think most people are against the idea of heaven, right? This place of eternal peace and eternal joy, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. Oh, count me out, right? I think most people uh, enjoy that idea, they like that idea, but they don't want it to cost anything. Like they don't want it to change their life anyways. They want to pick the parts they like and disregard the parts that they don't like. And they have this thing where they just, uh, man, hey, I I love the joy. I love the peace. Man, I love all the good things. But you want me to follow you now? You you want me to, to treat my friends that way? Man, you want me to act this way in my relationships? You want me to quit doing that? Man, I'm not sure about that. That's, that's hard. And, and can I tell you, lean in for a second, students. I want you to hear this. There is no joy. There's no, no peace in heaven without the blood-soaked cross of Christ. Like, there is no end to pain and there is no end to suffering without Jesus being on the cross in pain and suffering for us. There is no shot at us to get into heaven unless Jesus purchases that for us. And and we don't get the benefits of heaven without a cost. We, We don't get the benefits of heaven without a cost and Jesus pays that cost. And he did that on the cross, and the best part of all is one day, one day we're gonna get to see this Jesus face to face, one day we're gonna get to see this Jesus, the same Jesus that died on the cross for us, and what the Bible is gonna tell us is that when we see him, we'll have two responses. We'll either either shrink back in shame or stand boldly in confidence knowing what he's done for us. And I, I know I talked earlier about You know, a burger isn't a burger without the meat, right? Like if you take the most important part and you pull it out of it, it's no longer the same thing anymore. Man, and in the same way as that, heaven isn't heaven without Jesus. Man, if you take the most important part of it out, it is no longer the same thing. Without Jesus, there is no joy. Without Jesus, there is no peace. Without Jesus, there is no end to the pain. There is no end to the suffering. And you can't just pick and choose the parts that you like and disregard the parts that you don't. Man, and I have another burger here. And this one is from Five Guys, all right? And so I told y'all earlier that that burger, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I know I have a real burger here now. Now that's a real burger. And I thought that that burger earlier was good until I experienced the real thing. I thought that burger earlier could satisfy me 
until I tasted something that was real and could actually satisfy me. And my fear for you students is that you're settling for substitutes, you're settling for a fake Christianity, you're settling for a veggie burger when the real thing is right in front of you. And you wanna pick and choose the parts that you like and the parts that you don't like. You want all the benefits of heaven, but you do not want it to cost you anything. And you are missing out on experiencing the real thing. You like the grace and you like the mercy and you like the joy. But Jesus is saying, man, there are some areas of your life that I am asking you to follow me in. And that might mean you have to leave something. That might mean you have to sell something. That might mean you have to stop doing something if you're gonna follow me. And I don't want you to miss out on experiencing the real thing. Because once you experience the real thing, everything else pales in comparison to it. Man, don't miss out on the real thing and settle for a substitute that can't satisfy you. Pray with me real quick, guys. God, we come to you today, Lord. God, and we know you are in this place right now. And I know that there's some things in here that we're just not following you in. That there's some areas of our life that we haven't been obedient, we have gotten off course, we have been choosing our own way. We've been picking and choosing the thing that we want, God, and we wanna follow you right now. And to do that, that means we have to give some things up. It means we have to get some things out of our lives. Because when you call us to follow you, you ask us to leave the lesser things behind. And maybe there is some of you in here today and for the first time you realize, God, I have been settling for substitutes my whole life. Man, I have been settling for veggie burgers and I'm ready for the real thing. Man, and if that is you today, can you, can you pray with me real quick? There, there's nothing special about what we're going to say. It's not an incantation. They're not magic words, but we are talking to a real God who really loves you and wants to move in your life. Just pray with me something like this. God, we are asking you, God, I know I've messed up. I know I've been settling for lesser things and they are not satisfying me. And I believe that you and you alone can satisfy me. God, I'm just asking you, help me see that. Help me follow you. God, I need you. And if that was you today, if you prayed that today with heads bowed and eyes closed, can you, can you raise your hand for us real quick. We have some people that have a gift for you. We wanna uh, walk with you. We wanna help you uh, start this journey today. So just raise those hands. We're gonna have someone come uh, give you something in a moment. 
And for the rest of us, man, maybe there is something that you know God is asking you to leave behind right now. He is asking you to give it up so that you can follow him in obedience. God, we ask you to help us. God, we ask you to help us fix our eyes on you so that everything else pales in comparison. Help us see you as as ultimately worthy over all things in our life. God, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.